and the instructions you've been given for this style of retreating is an encouragement not to rush into some meditative technique at the beginning of a sitting period, for example. Which is related to this instruction of not falling into a habit. How do we keep the practice really fresh and real and simple? So it's better to begin with a sense of humility than it is to begin your set with any kind of certainty or just a habit of doing the work. And you might notice it can be a little unpleasant to know that we don't know what we're doing. To relax in that uncertainty, to relax in the openness of the moment where thoughts and feelings and sensations and sounds and other phenomena are coming and going. Normalizing this wild openness. And this is really the place that a deeper calm arises from this willingness to include the present moment as it actually is quite alive with motion, with things coming and going, quite alive with uncertainty. And learning that we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be in control. We don't even need to have to explain to ourselves what's happening. Awareness is more simple. It's just that honest acknowledgement that this is being felt here, this is being known here and now. And even though we don't talk a lot about metta or love, you probably can sense that wholesome quality just in the being intimate with the body, with the feeling, emoting, heart, 
thinking mind, this embracing presence here. And instead of wanting some kind of result from our set and from our retreat, it just makes the heart tight. We are allowed, it is wholesome, to desire this desire to connect or to understand. Or you could say this desire to have to be relating to the present moment in a wholesome way. To meet the moment, to open to the way things are in a way that isn't stressful and doesn't plant seeds for more stress. And that's something we can explore right here and now, how to show up. in a way that's skillful. Not imagining we need a different moment to show up for. And for today as a particular theme, being really curious about persistence. So once There is this moment of being present, knowing that it's like this now. Being curious about the continuity of this simple, kind presence. And curious about what interrupts it. Curious about how it begins again, the momentum of awareness, of recognizing that it's like this now how that re-emerges. But it doesn't take a heavy hand. It's really more about curiosity. How is it that forgetfulness comes into the mind and the mind then falls into distraction for a while? Some habit of struggling or trying to make something happen or really lost in thoughts about this or that. It's a very curious thing how the mind gets lost over and over. We can resolve to learn a thing or two about that today and about what supports the continuity. So when we get a period of time 
where the awareness seems pretty stable and continuous, what supporting factors are there that allows for this continuity? Making sure to really appreciate, without grasping, to appreciate, even in a short period of time, how the momentum and confidence can build. One additional comment that can really help with the continuity of present moment awareness is to be interested in the underlying feelings, feeling tone that arises with experience. And you can at times even drop in the question, what's the feeling here? What's the underlying feeling here in this experience that's being known? Oh, this feeling is being felt. It's like this.
always possible to begin again. This experience is being known, being felt. Can it be okay to relax, to allow, to feel whatever feeling is here to feel? And again, to become more familiar with persisting, this persisting of recognizing that it's like this now, this experience is being known, being felt, Sensing this unfolding as a natural process so it doesn't require any judgment. Instead, we're just training, learning how to be intimate, present, and to relax and allow
curious about the very refined effort of non-distraction. Non-distraction means that wisdom is remembering that every experience is just something being known. So feel free to stretch out the legs if you need to. So a couple of announcements to begin this morning. So as we've been doing now these last few days, we're 
opening up the schedule. And so that means this morning um, and for all the mornings, of course, we ask you to come for the 8.15 sit. And then that period of time between the ending of this time and noon or lunch, it's just this open schedule, independent practice. And the same with the afternoon, remembering that uh, mindfulness with awareness, or movement rather, with awareness, uh, the Qigong practice will be at three. And then in the evening, we'll keep having a particular start time, that 6.15 set, and the nine o'clock in the evening set, as well as, the, of course, the Dharma talk at 7.30. So just uh, it's, as you've heard several of us talk about already, we really have found it useful, not always easy, but useful to have that open schedule and to find our independence. And it helps us to correct um, the idea that this, you know, when I, oh, I need to sit, and that's what that looks like. And to begin to realize that the continuity of awareness is really independent of whatever posture or whatever place we happen to be. And that uh, there's no postponing, or oh, I'll start again when I'm back in the meditation hall, right? But we're really moving in the direction of using the entire day from when we wake up in the morning till we fall asleep at night. Any moment will do, because that basic effort to remember, oh yeah, it's like this now, feels like this now, really it doesn't depend on being in the meditation hall or sitting still or... It's really suitable way to be showing up in our lives, no matter the conditions. So that's why we have found it useful to um, have less and less structure, especially as we all settle in. So uh, Vance will have one-to-one sign-ups on the bulletin board for this afternoon. If people have a specific issue coming up that they'd like some input on. And this is for people who don't have small groups today. So if you didn't have a small group yesterday, that means you'll have a small group today. So make sure to check the bulletin board. And we're going to be starting a little bit later, just more realistically at 9.30 for that first uh, small group. So keep that in mind. You'll get a time to use the restroom if you need to, if you're in that first group at 9.30. And we'll keep that 9.30 start time for the rest of the retreat. And then one additional announcement. Um, as um, we've done in the past for this retreat, we have a few, or not a few, we have a bunch of Saida Utejaniya's books that have been published by supporters and students of Saida. And so they're offered to us to put out at the retreat. So uh, Roberta will put a little table out by the bulletin board And you're welcome to take one of those books. It's a little Dharma medicine. It gives you another option in terms of how to use your time. It's really not meant to read from beginning to end. More like a little Dharma input. You might read a chapter. and Don't try to figure out what the right chapter is. You might just open it up and read a few pages. Get a little Dharma input, a little instruction from one of our teachers. Close the book leave it next to your bed or wherever in your room. 
And then it's there the next time you need that sort of little medicine. And then some of you, many of you might already have a copy of the book. Um, So you can then return that book at the end of the retreat. But if you don't have a copy and you'd like to keep it, you're welcome to keep that book. They've been provided by, as I mentioned, supporters of Saida and students of Saida. And if you'd like, you can, there's information inside the book if you want to get involved in making those books available to others. So I think that's it for the announcements. And uh, we have a little time for any questions that have come up in your practice that you'd like to ask. Yes, please. Um. Yeah, so the person asked about uh, eyes open or closed during sitting. And it's related to what I said a little bit earlier that we're cultivating a practice, a way of practicing that is independent of any particular condition or circumstance. And so it's nice to see the effect on our own mind and how we practice when the eyes are open, when they're closed. Clearly, you know, when we're walking and doing daily activities, (laughs) hopefully your eyes are open. Um, But even in the hall, it can be quite useful, and especially um, if the mind is getting seduced a lot by visual images, right, or you have a lot of sleepiness, But even if that's not a particular issue for you, you might want to just notice what it's like to practice with your eyes open. Of course, you're not looking around, soft gaze at a reasonable angle toward the floor in front of you or the person's back in front of you if you're sitting right behind somebody. So just so that, uh, I think Alexis mentioned earlier in the retreat that really poignant (laughs) realization that there's a difference between looking and seeing, right? And because just the way, probably through evolution, the thinking mind is very much, has been tied to the thinking, uh, the seeing mind has been tied to the thinking mind, right? And we often think with images, and when we're seeing, we tend to get involved very quickly in the concept that, you know, we perceive what we're seeing, we name it, and then we think about what we've seen. So we're not really in the scene anymore. We're really in the thoughts about what's being seen. So it's nice to learn to be aware of seeing in that, uh, that way that's not kind of entangled with concept and identification. Yeah, so I'd explore that and just see how it affects the stability of awareness and what it is the mind learns. So you can just do what you normally do, but have at least you know some period of time when you're in a more formal sitting mode to practice with the eyes open so you really get a sense of what that is and what's learned and how it affects the continuity of awareness. Did you have a question?
Yeah, yeah, good question. So the person asked about the Brahma Viharas, the beautiful qualities of the heart, the four emotions of loving kindness and compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity, and whether I have a formal practice. Because I mentioned last night that to get curious that when we do feel we have some continuity of present moment awareness, is that presence, does that presence have the quality of metta, loving kindness, that basic goodness there? Because, you know, what we notice in awareness is that inclusive quality. Everything belongs, that embracing, that sense of embracing, including non-judging, I also mentioned last night that, you know, that I appreciated how often the Buddha talks about things in the negative like non-greed or non-aversion. And it doesn't sound so juicy, you know. Can you imagine saying to your beloved, I have so much non-aversion for you. (laughs) It just wouldn't land the same way as saying, you know, I really love you. I really adore you. I have so much non-aversion for you. <laughs> I think I'll try that with my partner when I go home. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> but, but, but in terms of our own heart, you know, and, and observing our heart honestly, um, I've really liked this teaching because that frame of looking at the heart as free from aversion, like, no aversion, no, none of that stickiness, that heat, that reactivity of aversion to be seen in this moment. Like, so love is the absence, the emptiness of aversion. Because really when we unpack love, the experience, what we call love, now I'm not talking about like love for a hamburger, but a kind of spiritual love. When we really become mindful of that, it actually turns out to be more about what's not there. Like we can't really point to the love. I mean, sometimes we have strong feelings when there's a lot of love, but is the love that feeling, that kind of you know energetic quality in the heart? And especially the more we uh, pay attention to love, like the Brahma Viharas really are these expansive. States And in the early tradition, they'd use the Brahma Viharas because they're so expansive as a gateway to practicing emptiness, right? Empty a heart, a mind that is empty of any of the defiling, self-centered frames, activities, right? So there's, in the tradition, and I found this to be true from my own, in my own experience, that the absence of greed, the absence of aversion, the absence of distraction really is the same as the development of these beautiful qualities. But I think your real question is like, I, at least as I heard it, how to, uh, how to take advantage of these wholesome qualities because they're so supportive, they're so refreshing and, and um grounding and protecting. I mean, really all these different wholesome aspects. And I think that's a real creative endeavor. And especially in this style of practice where we're not formally introducing uh, loving kindness as a practice, 
So it, it's much more finding it on the fly, right? So we're just aware in a moment because we tend to, like in terms of our radar, we tend to have better radar for the defilements. Oh, there's greed here. There's aversion here. There's depression here. There's fear here. There's boredom. There's sleepiness, restlessness. But how many times yesterday or this morning was there a simple recognition? Oh, yeah, loving kindness is being known. Joy is being known. So we can use your question as a prompt for all of us. Why isn't the mind skilled, curious about uh, these wholesome qualities of love? And what happens when the mind is naturally noticing, even if it's quite faint, you know, not necessarily strong and in the foreground of our experience, but hovering in the background? Because noticing that, even if it's not a predominant quality in the heart, noticing the joy or the compassion or the friendliness, can one of the characteristics is it becomes more powerful as a conditioning element in the mind when it's noticed. But we don't need to do, the, the way to feed it, to strengthen these wholesome qualities, is just to have that honest, clear, recognition. And then when appreciation arises because of that wholesome quality, then you notice that. And if it does have that tendency to expand, become more dominant in the mind, then notice that. Because this is the thing where we so appreciate over time is that awareness has the very, wisdom awareness has the very nature to undermine the unwholesome qualities. And awareness has the very nature, it's lawful. Like Carol mentioned earlier, like the law of gravity, you know, it's just the way it is. And awareness, wisdom awareness has the way of developing the wholesome qualities and undermining the unwholesome qualities. And you see how it really takes that neurotic tendency to feel, I have to develop metta. I have to get rid of aversion. And instead, the way we're giving instructions for this retreat, no, as a practitioner, I need to have an honest recognition of what's arising and passing in the mind, in the heart, in my experience. But I don't have to be in control. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to get somewhere. I just need to keep cultivating a very clear and honest relationship. And in doing that, this is the thing we're checking out, Will the wholesome qualities grow? Will the unwholesome qualities shrink? And so it's a different approach. There's nothing wrong with taking it up as a formal practice, but that's a different retreat. Or when you get home, there's a lot, I mean, it's really, for people who are really into this early Buddhism, doing a retreat that, or just taking it up personally at home for a couple months so that you really get some confidence with these qualities of mind is a good idea at some point in your Dharma career. <laughs> Thanks for the good question. And we need to leave it here so that we have time to get to the small groups in time. Wishing everyone a good day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.